Yo, what's good, Bridge Youth? How you doing? You guys good? I forgot there's no bumper video. <laughs> hey, you guys look good. Summer's here. You look tan. You've been, who's been working on their tan? Who's been to the beach? Who's been by the pool? Who's been out skating? Who's been dirt biking? Paintballing? Airsoft. Scooters. Heelys. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us tonight. It's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a cool night. Hey, one of our favorite things in the whole world is meeting new people. So if you're new in the room or maybe you're watching online, it's your first time joining us, we just want to say an extra special um, welcome and thank you for coming to hang out with us this evening. We like welcoming our guests every single week by saying we're here to build you up, not... Yeah, if you got a Bibles, if you got, if you got a Bibles, if you got, if you got the Bibles, a biblioteca, then why don't you open up to, biblioteca, that's Bible in Spanish. <laughs> open up to 1 John, 1 John, not the book of John, but 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1. Hey, really quick, um, we do have just a few spots, girl spots open for camp. But if you're a guy and you're like, I, I done messed up, A.A. Ron. I did not sign up for camp. That's all right. You can still get on the wait list and there's still a pretty good chance that you could end up making it. We're going to try to snag more spots. People will end up dropping off camp um, all the time and you might be able to make it. So, if you do want to get on that wait list, either call the offices, just throw the Bridge Church in your iPhone because you're saved and you don't have an Android. Just throw it in the uh, navigation. Our number's right there. You can find our, um, our emails on the website, all that. Just hit us up. Let us know you want to get on the wait list. We'll get you on the wait list. There are just a handful of girl spots left. So ladies, all the ladies say, hey. Go sign up. Go register. We want you at camp. There's only a handful of uh, girl spots left, so go sign up. It's going to be absolutely awesome. Lastly, uh, before we get into the message, before we get into the word, um, class of 2022, like we want to celebrate you. We love you. We're so proud of you. We got you dinner. Um, I've been slaving over a hot stove all day on this dinner, and um, it's going to be over in the chapel right after service. So directly after service, if you are a graduated senior and our uh, high school connect group leaders, head on over with us. We're going to play some games. We're going to uh, chill. We're going to eat some good food. Um, we're going to share a quick couple of thoughts with you and just pray over you and just believe that um, as you get ready and gear up to head out um, to wherever you're going, or maybe you're staying here, or maybe you're doing community college, maybe you're going to the military, maybe you're going into the workforce, that we just want to pray an extra special blessing over you. So join us right after service for that. You guys ready to get into God's word? Look at your neighbor, say, you ready? Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second, say, you ain't ready. Tonight, we're going to continue in our series that we kicked off last week entitled, I Don't Want to Talk About It. Look at your neighbor and in your most prepubescent, brokenhearted boy voice he just got broke up with, tell them as you stare deep into their eyes, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> That's your best, best prepubescent boy voice. That's such a hard word for me to say. Speech impediment, prepubescent, prepubescent. Um, last week, we, we talked about culture and we talked about politics a little bit um, in a sort of nuanced way and what's going on in our world and how we should respond. And, and um, 
you know, they say in ministry and amongst church and whatnot, um, if you want people happy and coming back, then don't talk about politics, hell, or sin. The good news is, is we've already talked about politics and we'll save hell for another week. But tonight, dun, dun, dun. It's the lowest my voice could go. <clears throat> dun, dun. It's the lowest my voice could go. Uh, anybody else ever hear their own voice and go, is that what I sound like? I'm a preacher. Like, I, I watch back almost every message that I preach. And every time I'm like, when will I hit puberty? <laughs> Tonight, dun, 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 we are going to talk about sin. No amens for that. Somebody just said, yes, I'm so glad that I brought my friend who's brand new to the church um, today. And now we're going to talk about sin. la dee da Awesome possum. This is going to be great. But here's the thing. We're all in this together. <laughs> this together. Um, like, we're on the ride already. You're already here. Like, kind of buckle up, buttercup. We're going to go for it, okay? Um, and you might be asking, as you're already thinking, I don't want to talk about this. So you might be asking, why? Corey, like, why, why talk about sin? Here's why. Because I see so many young people today, totally abandoning biblical teaching, walking away from God, and not only just living a life of sin, but rather going as far as to justify sin. And what's beginning to happen in culture, not just amongst people who would consider themselves unbelievers, which if that is you and you fall into that category and, and maybe you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, that's totally cool. Like we, uh, we have a saying around here, you don't have to believe to belong. We welcome you and I love that you're here. And this is actually a great message for you to kind of gleam into what it might look like to walk a life of faith. But for those of us who are people of faith, the thing that's sort of disturbing and why I feel like this is such a necessary conversation to have is there are even Christians, not just unbelievers, but Christians, people of faith who are trying to justify their sin, aka going, no, 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 no. it's not sin. No, I could do that. And it's like, but, the, but scripture says this. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. Like, I, I know the Bible says that, but uh, you know, it's just, it's all good. It's all good. You know, it's like, no worries. It's fine. It, it, like, you do you, and I'll do you, do you, boo boo. I'll do me. You have your truth, and I have my truth. Except for the fact that there is no your truth and my truth, there is only truth. And scripture talks about this thing called sin, and it says a lot of things about it and none of which are good. So as a lot of believers start saying things like, uh, it's all good, no, it's fine. It's, all, it's like, you know, Jesus was like a hippie with long hair and he wore like tie-dye shirts and was like, peace, dude, it's all good. It's all love, man. Jesus also said, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And sin is a serious topic and a serious thing that we need as believers to talk about. And you are so excited for this message. <laughs> oh, 
Look at your neighbor and just go in the most boring, dull voice you can. Tell them, are you excited? Now look at your second neighbor. And your most excited voice you possibly can, like you just drank five Red Bulls. Go, are you excited? excited. Now we're talking. Here's the thing. (laughs) God's commandments are not suggestions to be considered. They're directives to be obeyed. I'm going to say that again. God's commandments, they are not suggestions to be considered. God said, don't do this. I wonder if I should do that. No, no. And you know what? I've got an opinion about that. Like, they're called the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions. God didn't come down from heaven and go, hey, guys, a few ideas. Take it or leave it. No, God was like, do this and don't do that. This is called sin, but you can do all this. You have all the freedom in the world over here, but you see those things? Nuh-uh. They're not suggestions. They're commandments. And we are to obey them. So tonight we're going to talk about sin. This guy named Lonnie George Johnson. I think we have a picture of him. And he was, a, uh, he was an aerospace engineer. He was a U.S. Air Force uh, veteran. He was known for many things, not least of which was his 12 years spent with NASA. And with NASA, he was working on a nuclear, pow- a nuclear power source um, for the Galileo mission to Jupiter. Super cool. He also worked on a handful of uh, um, weapons projects, um, including the, the stealth bomber project. Super legit. But when when uh, Lonnie wasn't busy, you know, developing nuclear power and working on stealth bombers, he got busy creating super soakers and Nerf guns. Anybody else love Nerf guns? I love, I absolutely love Nerf guns. This is my, this one is the, the pride of my collection right here. This is my Nerf rival. This is, where's the, where's the actual engine? This is what my Nerf rival sounds like. You might call me extra, but I have a red dot sight on it. Um, is there a junior high boy that'll allow me to shoot them? Let's see. Let's see. Yeah, right, come on, yeah, come on, come on up, dude. Come here. Just like stand. You can you can jump on the stairs over there and just like stand. Look, <laughs> but like, look that. You can stand. You can come to the top. I don't want to miss. Yeah. But like, yeah. Don't look. You ready? Oh, you can see the screen. You hear that? I haven't modded this one yet, but you can mod this thing to shoot, like, super, super hard. Um, but, like, you know, the thing is, is that if I get really up close, I'm just kidding, dude. I won't shoot you about the close. But I do, I love this gun. It's fun. Sorry, you good? You want to shoot me back? Here, you can shoot me back. Here, what you got to do, you got to hold down that button, and then it shoots. Oh, God, why are you shooting me so much? <laughs> Shoot me once. Thanks, dude. Hey, give it up for my man shooting me in the back for fun. Um, I might keep this with me. Uh, Nerf guns are so fun. Uh, and I know it's nerdy. And for some of you, you're like, Corey, grow up. To you, I would say, no, shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs> growing up is for losers. Don't do it. It's a trap. Um, we literally have Nerf wars around the office. <laughs> like, if it's your birthday, you get Nerf gun attacked. Um, 
But as cool as Nerf guns are, and like, God bless Lonnie for inventing them, um, this isn't going to do me any good in real war, you know? Imagine like if I were to go to real war and I was like, wait, guys, <laughs> my battery's dying. I need to go recharge it. Like a Nerf gun's not doing me any good in a real war. And I, and I feel like what's happened when it comes to the battle of sin is that so many of us are like walking. It's like we're walking into an all-out war with a Nerf gun. It's like we're walking into a burning building with a squirt gun. So if you're taking notes, write this down. This is your sermon in a sentence. Do something drastic to your sin or your sin will do something drastic to you. Do something drastic to your sin or your sin will do something drastic to you. I think what's going on in so many ways is in this battle called sin, the enemy is over here being catastrophic and we're being casual. And I think the days of being casual with our sin need to come to an end. All right, we're going to read a handful of verses tonight. We're going to, in John, First uh, John chapter 1, we're going to read verse 8 to 10. And actually the way in which First John splits up chapter 1 and 2, um, really there should not be a split in chapter right there as it's a continuing thought from the writer of First John. So First John um, chapter 1, verse number 8. Eight, would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? My man's, uh, you want to grab those Nerf rounds for me? Yeah, I'm just going to, you could just keep them like as a gift. But if, there's, if they stay right there, they're just going to distract me the whole time. Um, all right, verse 8. And we're actually going to jump into chapter 2 as well. So don't get confused as we continue on. But here's what it says. First John chapter 1, verse number 8. If we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves. Dope. Like started out on a very strong foot. And we're not living in the truth. But, somebody say, but. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Okay, that's actually really good news. Verse number 10. If we claimed we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar. Someone go, <gasps> and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. All right, we're jumping to chapter two. Again, there really probably shouldn't have been a chapter split right here as it's a continuing thought from the writer. It says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not, somebody say not, so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Before you sit down, let's pray a really long and very spiritual prayer. God, speak to us tonight. Amen. <laughs> All right, grab a seat. Hey, have you ever been in a legitimate fight or flight situation? Anybody ever been in a, uh, okay, maybe you don't know what a fight or flight situation is. God has like equipped our bodies in such an incredible way that in a moment of, of perceived or legitimate danger, our body kicks into a sort of survival mode where every single person will essentially uh, uh, respond in one of two ways, fight or flight, fight or flee, fight or run. Like 
if there's a bear that were to walk through that door, because I did rent a live grizzly bear, so nobody, like, get too crazy. But hey, you guys can bring the bear in real quick. Uh, you guys thought. <laughs> Imagine there actually is a bear on the other side, and they're going to bring it through. Come on, guys. Bring you thought, like, the amount of people I just fooled with that. What kind of budget do you think we're working with around here, okay? I've got Nerf guns, not grizzly bears, okay? Um, like, if a bear were to come through that door, and some of you are still questioning whether or not it's going to happen, which I love that you realize I'm crazy enough that that could happen. Um, how many people in the room are like, fight the bear? Where's the fighters? You're a fighter. Let's fight the bear. How many people are like, run? I'm running. I'm not a fighter. I'm a get out of here. <laughs> right? Like, we all have this sort of response. And um, a few years back, I, I, I was blessed enough to be able to go to Kenya, East Africa, um, with a handful of our students and with the Macau family. Kenneth's parents had inherited a piece of land um, in Kenya, and, and we went and we built a church on this land. It was super cool. And um, when we were in the community where we were building the church, there was a few people who were uh, on the mission trip with us who were, you know, kind of super healthy people, and they're like, hey, let's go on a run. And I was like, well, Proverbs says only the wicked run when no one's chasing them, but okay, let's go. Um, Proverbs does say that, by the way. So, uh, so, so I was like, let's go. So we're, we're, we're on this run, and, and there's one person out ahead of me. Everybody else is behind me. Mild flex, okay? So I'm running, and I see the person in front of me jump over something. And I'm like, oh, you know, probably, is, oh, is that a stick? Is it a rock? Is there a pothole? What is it? As I get closer, I realize it is a snake. It's a friggin' snake. And so I'm like, ah! and I jump over as big as I can. And I stop, unlike the dude out ahead of me, I stop and I turn around to warn the other three or four runners that are out there with us. I'm like, hey guys, snake, watch out. Uh, and then like coming up this dirt road, there was a, a, a local there who was just kind of going about his business. I was like, hey buddy, you're going to want to watch out. There's a snake right over here. And he's like, snake? And I was like, yeah, there's a, there's a snake right over here. And he's like, okay. And he goes over and he grabs a huge rock. I'm like, wait, the snake ain't, he ain't hurting nobody. He's like, this is kind of like, you know, we're in Africa. This is kind of like his land, I guess. Like his, like he's in his natural habitat. Um, I was a vegetarian at the time. I wasn't thinking straight, you know. Um, I'm like, I love animals. Like, no. And like the crazy American here is like, don't kill the snake. So I go over to the snake, try to save its life as this dude's bringing a huge rock to crush it. I'm like, uh, dude, go. And I kick the snake like, I don't know, do snakes have butts? I, I kicked him on the, like, not the side where his head's at, but the other side. I kicked him on that side. I was like, bro, go. Like, you can't run. Slither, you know? I, I'm trying to help you. Go. As I like bump him, this was his response. <laughs> I was like, ah! you know? I was like, forget you, kill him. You know, I turn around and then he's slithering away into the bushes, right? It's like even the snake had this fight or flight response. First, it wanted to fight. It saw me and it was like, your lunch. And then it ran away when it saw the big dude with the rock coming at him. And then we went back and and we told Miss Mary, uh, Kenneth's mom, who grew up in Africa, we told Miss Mary's mom the story. And she's like, Corey, you idiot. <laughs> I was like, what? She goes, Corey, what did this snake look like? I started explaining it to you, you know, kind of dark, this, that, the other. She's like, 
cord, that snake was venomous. You'd have been dead if it bit you. And I was like, I don't, it didn't look venomous. And she's like, how do you know if a snake looks venomous? I was like, yeah, you're right, I have no idea. She, and she tells me, Corey, every snake in Africa is venomous. If any of them bites you, you're dead. To which I don't know if that's true. But here's the thing. Acting as if it does, you think about, if a snake in Africa were to bite you, the worst case scenario is you're dead. And the best case scenario still ain't good. So why not err on the side of caution? And so it is with sin. Here's your first point if you're taking notes. If you're not taking notes, we're not friends. I'm just kidding. I love you, kind of. But the grizzly bear that's in the back, he's going to be at you if you're not taking notes. Write this down. What, like how should we respond to sin? Fight or flight. That's how we should respond to sin. How do we respond to sin? How should we respond to sin? What's the appropriate response? The response should be fight or flight. The response should be something akin to like, you know the scene in every horror movie where the serial killer is chasing the victim? You know, the damsel in distress that for some reason falls down and trips over nothing? Or she decides to run upstairs? Like, that should be our response, is that we run. I wrote this down. I want to read it exactly how I wrote it down. If you're taking notes, you, want, you might want to write this down. Sin is not a friend to get close to, but an enemy we should respond to with fight or flight. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, it says this, But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run. Somebody say run. He says, so run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Levi, if you could grab those... Uh, those illustration supplies for me. I know the bear might be scary, but he's fine. He's on a leash. Just bring him on out, Levi. <laughs> he said, hey, Timothy, you're a godly man. So run. Somebody say run. What should our response to sin be? It should be fight or flight. Fight or flight. One of the cool things about summer is, you know, we should put it, we should put it down here just because I don't want to, like, you know, catch anything on fire. Um, yeah, that should be fun. Fun, yeah. Um, one, of the, one of my favorite things about summer is bonfires. I thought we'd have a little bonfire together indoors. I've talked to the fire marshal. He said, we'll shut down your church if you do it. But I'm like, yeah, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Am I right? Even though I asked for permission, you know, but we have a firefighter sitting in the back. He's right over by the doors. His name's Wyatt Staggers. He'll. I had him drink a full gallon of water right before service, so he'll be ready to put out. <laughs> um, I love bonfires. Uh, I, I got a mic in my hand, Levi. If you could help, kind of. Um, the thing is, is that like lighting a fire is not as easy as like just lighting. It should be. Yeah. 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 Um, 
the funny thing is I have a fireplace in my house and I've tried to like do fires and I'm like, hey babe, I'll light the fire. And I try to light the fire and I can't even keep a fire going. It's like, what kind of man am I? <laughs> like, if we had to like survive off the land, we would starve, okay? I'd be like, oh no, don't hurt the snake. Oh, like you want me to kill a deer for food? Can't do it. Like, you know, I can barely keep a fire going. But um, I realized like you need something to help the fire go. So uh, I brought some... I actually just found this in the shop. This is diesel fuel. It says diesel fuel do not use for the portable generator or power washer. Because you need the regular fuel for that. But diesel fuel is, diesel fuel is still flammable, right? Yeah. Diesel still flammable. Yeah. So, okay. Just throw, throw some fuel on that for me, Levi. There we go. Bro, you got my shoe. That's all right. You're fine. It's okay. I'm not going to light my shoe on fire. Not that dumb. Maybe. Uh, the, the, it's good, more. Like, we definitely need more than that. Yep. Maybe don't splash it so much, dude. <laughs> don't splash it that much, okay? Um, I was never in... Was anybody in Boy Scouts? Were you in Boy Scouts? JROTC. JROTC doesn't teach you how to... I don't know, like... Okay, just put more. Just, like, put a lot more, I guess. There we go. Okay, perfect, perfect. Yep. No, keep a little bit more. It'll be fine. Um, wait. Uh, yeah, the curtain. Um, just move it away from the stage a little bit more. There we go. A little bit more. Yeah, just put it like, yep. You know what? I don't, I don't really like it. Like, here, let's put it right here. Okay. Do you want more? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. <laughs> the amount of phones that are out right now, like, woo, Corey, if you kill that kid in the Yankees hat, we're going to cancel you so quick. Uh, all right, so, like, here's the thing. Why? How come you moved? This, this is your seat, though. Why? I mean, should we not have put that much gas? Put more gas. Put more. Let's go, baby. All right, here we go. Okay, here's the thing. Um, I like you. <laughs> You're my guy. It, that's just water in the tank, okay? First off, there's just water in there. Second off, I'm not even going to put the lighter near it because I only rinsed out that thing. It was empty, but I rinsed out what gas was in there, but I could literally still smell gas. I wonder if my shoe would catch on fire. We're not going to check it out and see. But... Like, did you see, did you see my man's response to, like, bringing, he w I said, why'd you move? He said, because I'm scared. You're scared of a little bonfire in a bucket? And yet, we will get so close to sin that says it will kill us. It'll destroy us. And you know what sin does? Sin separates us from God, both practically now on earth and in eternity. And here comes the not fun part of preaching. There is this place on the other side of eternity called hell where there will be much more fire than a little tiny bit of bond. There's five pieces of wood in here and it's soaked in water now. So it's not gonna, everybody, thank you, Levi. Go ahead and take that off. Don't light yourself on fire. Thanks for pouring gas on my shoe. I think that like our response, you can have your seat back. 
man, there you go, yeah. I think our response to sin should be something like our man's response to a bonfire that got a little bit too close to him. Whoa, whoa. Uh, uh-uh. Well, why? How come? Like, because I'm kind of scared of it. Well, why would you be scared of it? Because it's destructive. Because, because if you play with fire, you get burned. That's why I want to end that illustration by saying formally that the Bridge Church says, do not play with, only you can present, prevent forest fires. Prevent forest fires, not present forest fires. <laughs> and, and yet so many of us, we're not doing that, but rather we are embracing sin. No, our response to sin should be like our response to Michael Myers, run. But what seems to happen for so many young people is that they just, they just begin to live a life of sin and a cycle of sin and then they get habits of sin and then their, their muscle memory is sin and then before you know it, they've been down deep into sin for so long that it just, it, it's no longer what they do, it becomes who they are. And then they begin to even wrap their identity around sin. It's like this. Um, it's always a problem if somebody, if people around you justify your behavior and your sin by using your name. Let me say it like this. Oh, that's, that's just Corey being Corey. Oh, oh, that's just, that's just Noah being Noah. You know, you know that girl who just runs her mouth and she gossips and gossips and she tears everybody down. She just talks trash about any and everybody around her. Scripture talks about how, how the, in, the, in our words, there's the power of life and death in the tongue. Another verse says that it's, it's the, it, the, the human tongue, it's like a wildfire. And they just talk and talk and talk. She's like, oh, that's, that's just Lisa being Lisa. You know that guy who's just constantly reverting to anger and he lashes out at everybody? You know, he can't stop getting into fights and punching holes in the, in the wall. And you just go, oh, that's just Derek being Derek. I don't know why I went with Derek. It just seemed like appropriate, you know? Oh, Derek stealing my lunch money, <laughs> making fun of me for bringing comic books to school. Oh, that's just Derek being Derek. If somebody has to use your name to justify your behavior, there's something wrong. Sin is beginning to wrap itself around your identity. And so many aren't doing anything drastic to their sin. They aren't fighting their sin. They're not fleeing. Instead, tragically, they're embracing it. And then anybody who comes around who's like, hey, you know, you know that bucket of wood that you're pouring gasoline all over? Maybe don't drop the match in there. And then how do people respond? Oh, you hater. You're, you're just a hater. Hmm. Well, I'm going to unfollow you on Instagram. Oh, my gosh. 
Dude, I went through my Instagram a while ago. It's nothing to do with the message. Maybe it does. We'll see if the Holy Spirit leads. Um, I went through my Instagram, and I, I was just going, going through everybody that I follow. And there's all these people. I was like, I don't even know who you are. Unfollow. It's like, your, your profile picture is something that I don't want to see. Unfollow. I'm unfollowing all these people. I had a student come up to me the next week. The next week, the student comes up to me at you. Hey, Pastor Corey, I have a question for you. I was like, yeah. They're like, why'd you unfollow me? I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> um, and I was like, how do you? How did you, I was like, how many followers do you have? She said, I don't know, like six, seven hundred? And I was like, there's six or seven hundred followers. How, how did you even know that one person, one me, just one person unfollowed you? She said, oh, I have an app that tells me. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, like why do you care that much? When people come around, they say, hey, maybe don't do that. Maybe don't do the things that are killing you and killing your relationships and wrecking your life and throwing your life into a direction that is going to any moment burst into flames and cause absolute catastrophe. Maybe don't do that. And we respond with, you're judging me. And you know what the Bible says? Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Okay. (laughs) That's not what that means, first off. Second off, like, Why do we push off the people who are trying to help us? Would you, if you had the cure for cancer, would you keep it to yourself? Like, why would, why do we get mad at the people who are giving us the truth? Because sometimes the best of love is tough love. So if we're going to run from sin, If we're going to flee, what are we running to? Because if we're running away from something, then we should be running to something else. Here's what we should be running from. A really big, very spiritual word. Write this word down. The word is sanctification. S-A-N-C-T-I-F-I-C-A-T-I-O-N. Sanctification. It's like just a really fancy word. Uh, The Greek word is hagiemos, and it means the process of making or becoming holy. The process of making or becoming holy. The word holy means set apart. Sanctification, by extension, means set apart. It means holiness or consecration. Here's the thing about sanctification, because some of you hear that word, and it's the process of making or becoming holy, and you're like, oh, like kind of perfect and set apart, and like, oh, like that's, uh, that's crazy, and I'd never be that. Here's the thing. Salvation, being saved, getting saved, going to heaven, and receiving the free gift of salvation from God provided to us by Jesus on the cross, that's instantaneous. That happens, boom. Like that's going to happen for some of you a little bit later tonight. For some of you, you've had a moment where you've received Jesus Christ and and you receive salvation. Salvation is instantaneous. Sanctification is a process. Sanctification is a lifelong process. It's a process of continuing to strive towards holiness, asking God to strengthen you all the way. Here's the thing. Um, This faith journey, it's not about perfection. It's about progression. That's what sanctification looks like. Salvation is free, but here's the thing. Discipleship will cost you your life. That's one of my favorite quotes by a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So what does the sanctification process look like? 
it looks like a lot of things and we could legitimately spend all night talking about it. But let me give you just four really quick things of what the sanctification process looks like as it's an ongoing process. Number one, it looks like salvation, receiving salvation, admitting you're a sinner and that you need help. You need a Lord, you need a savior. Number two, it's repentance. Repentance is admitting you're wrong and it's not just saying, I'm sorry, this is the, this right here, everybody look at this for a quick second. This is the biblical uh, uh, example of what we get for repentance. It's this, and then boom. And you turn around and you go, it's a 180. It's, it's walking in one direction, stopping, turning around, and walking in the other direction. So you have salvation, we have repentance. Number three, we have discipleship. Discipleship looks like mentorship, it looks like laying down your life to serve the kingdom of God and others. Discipleship looks like community. This is why we feel so strongly about connect groups. This is why we don't just meet on Wednesdays, but also on Sundays, where we get into communities, where we can gather together. Levi, who poured gasoline on my shoe, is one of our connect group leaders. And right before service, he was, uh, he was telling me, dude, our connect group discussion this last Sunday was so amazing. It was honestly one of the best discussions we've had in a long time. That's what discipleship looks like. It looks like being in community and having someone help walk you through the sanctification process. And then step number four, we've got, we've got salvation, we've got repentance, we've got discipleship, and then repeat. You might not need to get saved over and over again, but boy, are you going to need to repent over and over again. I know I do. You'll need to... You'll need to pursue more and more discipleship over and over again. So how do we respond to sin? Fight or flight. You fight for dear life. You do something drastic to your sin or your sin will do something drastic to you. Or you flee and you run for your life. My last point as the band starts heading up. What does sin do to us? What does sin do to us? It kills us. Sin is a murderer. It's what it, it's what it is by nature. Romans chapter 6 and verse 21, it's, it's, it's one of, it kind of carries this little portion of scripture, carries one of the most famous verses in scripture that you hear all the time. It says this, what benefit did you reap at the time uh, from the, thi- what benefit did you reach, reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. What do they result in? They result in death, exclamation point. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. And here's the famous part, uh, portion of this verse. For the wages of sin is death. Oh, man. I'm so glad that there's a comma and not a period there. Now it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin ultimately kills us. This is why we have to look at it like a raging fire or a, or a venomous snake. The wages of sin is death. And, and this verse, I think that word death, it, it implies, yes, like spiritual death, because to die without Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it, it, Scripture talks about that being something like a second death. But I think it's also talking very practically because 
I don't know that I can really dig into any single lifestyle of sin that if lived long enough won't result in death. Think about it, addiction. Anything that you're addicted to, done in excess, over, it's gonna lead to death. Alcoholism. It's gonna lead to liver failure and death. Living a life of promiscuity. Some of you have not yet taken your junior high health classes, so we will not get into all the details, but a life of promiscuity will lead to death. Some of you don't even know what the word promiscuity means. I was going to say ask your parents. Don't ask your parents. Um, just leave it alone and wait for a couple years and then ask your connect group leader, I suppose, or ask your parents. That would be great as well. Any... Like we could go down the line and name all these different lifestyles of sin and in the practical, they lead to death, not just in the spiritual. And this is why when it comes to sin, God says, don't. See, some of you thought that God says don't sin because God's like, I don't want you to have any fun. I created fun and now I don't want you to have any of it. I want to keep it all to myself, me and the angels up here in heaven. You don't get any, I get all of it. But can I tell you, that's not God. That's not his heart. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says in that verse, but I've come that you may have life, that you may have abundant life. One version says that you may live life to the fullest. You know how much fun is involved in that life? And here's the best part about that kind of fun. That kind of fun is the kind of fun that you have and you don't do this. And you don't feel weighted down. And you're not filled with anxiety that you're going to get caught. You're not constantly worrying about the repercussions of your actions. You know, it's, it's the kind of fun that doesn't wreck your health 10 years down the road. It's the kind of fun that doesn't come back to, come back to haunt you. It's the kind of fun that doesn't destroy every relationship in your life. It's the kind of fun that doesn't drive a dagger of division between you and your parents. I remember shortly after I got saved, like my life changed so much, so quickly. I was doing kind of all the things a, a junior higher, early high schooler should never be doing. And the day that I got saved, the vast majority of those things changed so quickly. I was smoking, I was partying, I was hanging out with gang members. I grew up in a really bad neighborhood. My, my dad wasn't around, he was in prison. My stepdad was working three jobs, so he was never around. My single, basically single mom was trying to, to raise me and my brother and, and my sister. And, and I was getting in so much trouble. And the, and the day that I got saved, legitimately, everything changed. I never smoked again. I never went back to those parties. A lot of my friendships changed up and even my language changed. The words that I, I use and how I talk to people, my heart began to follow that my heart began to change as well. And I remember a few months later, I made a lot of friends from church and I started hanging out with them a lot and started going on all these cool adventures and skating and got into some, some bands with my friends that were Christian bands and we did some touring and, and we played all these cool shows and we're sharing our faith. And, and I remember months into being saved, this one night, all of our friends are, are we're actually having a bonfire after youth group. And I was having so much fun 
And then kind of like in the middle of the night, like the, not the middle of the night, but it was just late at night, in the middle of our night, um, I felt this like, this is so fun. And I felt this sense of like weightlessness. And I remember thinking, oh, this is what those Christians mean when they say that Jesus sets you free. See, because the way that I always interpreted it was, well, I'm a Christian now, so I'm not free. I'm bound by all these rules and regulations and all the things that I can't do. That's not freedom. There's all these things I can't do now. I used to be able to do whatever I want, which wasn't even true. I was like, I could do whatever I want before, but now I have all these rules I have to follow. No, that doesn't sound like freedom. But the reality is in, in this moment with my friends is we're not doing anything wrong and we're not getting in trouble and all of our parents knew where we were and we had these amazing relationships we're making these amazing memories and we're not looking over our shoulder destroying our lives or our relationships I look back and I go I was actually a slave to my sin and the addiction and the toxic friendships and all this stuff that I wrapped my identity around was actually slowly strangling me and killing me. And I was a slave to it. And I thought that there was no way out. And I thought that this is just the life that every other teenager lives. So I have no other choice. And by default, I have to live like this. And then I stepped into something new and was like, I used to be a slave. Now I'm having more fun than I've ever had. I have better, more quality friends and relationships than I've ever had. My depression seems to be getting better. And I'm not constantly looking over my shoulder worried that I'm going to get arrested or worse, my mom's going to find out. I thought this is the freedom those Christians were talking about. What does sin do to us? It, it, it kills us. That's why God says don't sin. But there's something that sin does that is maybe even scarier. And in studying for this, this message, I stumbled across this verse. It's also in 1 John, two chapters later in verse number seven. And we're gonna go down to chapter three, verse seven to 10. Here's what it says. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you. Remember last week we talked about deception and how deception is only deception if you don't know you're being deceived. Is it possible that you've been deceived into embracing sin? Don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Verse 9. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice. Somebody say practice. Come on, say practice. They don't make a practice of sinning. You notice how it doesn't say that they don't sin. It says that they don't make a practice of sin. I looked at the original word here for practice, and it's something like, like building. It's like creating, like making something. 
It's like, it's like creating your life on this. It's like, oh, here, I've made this. This is my foundation. This is what I'm going to stand on. What is it? A life of sin. <laughs> it says, those who practice sin, those who make a, a practice, those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning. Some of you have experienced this, that I can't keep on sinning, where you used to go to those parties and do those things and watch that stuff and act that way. And, and then you gave your life to Jesus and then you tried to go back and you're like, why isn't this fun anymore? Why do I feel like this overwhelming sense of guilt? Why do I feel like a fish out of water over here. Why do I feel like I don't belong? That's because you now have God's life in you and it makes you feel contrary to those things. It says that they have God's life in them so they can't keep sinning because they are children of God. Who are? The ones who have God's life in them are the children of God. And here comes the scary part. Verse 10. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. Corey, are you saying, are you saying that those who practice sin, those who build a life of sin, those who create a habit out of sin, those who sin, 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 and then they justify their sin and they go, that's not even sin and I'm going to live however I want. And they do what the Bible calls practice sin. Corey, are you saying that they're children of the devil? No. No, I'm not saying that. Of course I'm not saying that. But the Bible is. <laughs> and that's scary. That was such a sobering verse to read, and, and it was something that as I read it, it's like, there's no way I can let my students continue to think that they can continue to embrace sin, but also be like, well, you know, and then youth group on Wednesdays, like, and it's all good. No, 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 no. Trying to hold on to sin and live for God is like trying to swim with both of your arms tied behind your back. What does sin do? It kills us, but even worse, it maybe makes us a child of God if we go so deep into this thing that we wrap our identity around it and it becomes who we are, not just what we do. I know some of you are thinking, but my mom said that I'm just in a, you know, I'm just in a season of backsliding. Well, that'd be fine if at the end of your life you stood before your mom and she judged you. But we'll stand before God. And sin kills, I know. I don't want to talk about this. Like, in some ways, neither do I. I'd rather just talk about the fun stuff and the faith stuff and let's the believe for more stuff. And oh Man, God's blessing, am I right? But we got to talk about the real. And I have to because there's so many young people who are just embracing sin. And worse, 
They're justifying it and saying it's okay. But the Bible says it's not. And this is our compass of morality and we need not stray from it. So here's the good news. James 4, verse 7, last verse we'll read. So humble yourself. Some versions say submit yourselves before God and resist. Somebody say resist. Resisting looks like fighting or fleeing. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come closer to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And I think tonight's the night that we decide that no longer will our loyalty be divided between God and the world, but rather, God, you have my entire heart and I will no longer embrace sin. Rather, I'll do something drastic to my sin before it does something drastic to me. Amen. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? God, would you speak to us in this moment and open our hearts? Lord, let us experience your Holy Spirit and soften every heart in this place. God, your word says all of us are sinners. There's not a single stone being thrown in here tonight. I put myself at the front of this line. I'm a sinner and I've messed up. I'm dirty. I'm, I'm, I'm foolish sometimes. I've made mistakes and I need you. Thank you, God, that, that righteousness is not based on me, but it's placed on me. Thank you, Jesus, that you already paid that price, the price that I couldn't pay on my own. Now, God, open every single heart in here to receive your free gift of salvation, that first step in the road of sanctification right now. God, you freely offer forgiveness for sin. All we have to do is ask for it. With heads bowed, with eyes closed, if you're in here and you would say, that is me, that's me, Corey. I, I have in so many ways embraced sin. And I need God's forgiveness. Right now, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to respond in a really simple way. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I just want you to lift your hand. Then you can put it right back down. If you want forgiveness over your sin, you want God to come and wash your slate clean. You want him to remove the past that maybe you're ashamed of. So many people in this room has made that decision already. This is your moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed. When I get to three, you just lift your hand. You can put it right back down. Here we go. One, two, three, go. All of this place. Man, so awesome. You can put your hand right back down. We're going to pray right now because scripture says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and he rose from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be forgiven. So because we're a family, we pray together. Would you say these really simple words right after me? Everybody, right out loud, say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my sin. I give you everything. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for receiving me, and thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Amen. Hey, I know what some of you are thinking who've maybe made mistakes like me. Oh, 
Corey, it can't be that easy. I know, but God made it that easy. He paid all the price for you because we couldn't pay it ourselves. But this isn't the end of the journey, it's just the beginning. And we wanna help walk these next steps out with you. This is one of those steps in sanctification I'm talking about, it's, it's connection, it's discipleship. With, a, with something that we call the next seven days. There's seven simple videos that you can watch over the next week that'll help answer some of your questions and help walk you through the first steps of your faith journey. So you can get it in a simple way. Just go to our Instagram, at bridge, Y-T-H underscore, DM us the words next seven, and we'll handle the rest. If you don't have Instagram, come find myself, come find one of our leaders, say, hey, I want next seven days. I prayed the prayer. We'll get, you, we'll get it to you in another format, and we'll connect you with someone that can help walk you through them. Hey, one more time, can we welcome people into God's family. I'm not going to ask you to stand. Instead, I'm going to I'm going to sit with you because uh, there's a specific way I want to respond tonight. Um, front row, it'll be just a little tougher for you, but um, in the baskets of each chair, there's a there's a quarter piece of paper that we've cut out for you and we've put under there, and a handful of the chairs they have uh, they have pens. Um, by them. And if some of you have a journal, you might not need a pen. And if you do have one in your hand, and in just a moment, would you share the pens around you? People in the second row, third row, would you send up some papers to people in the front row for us? That would be a huge help. Thank you. While you guys grab those, I want to read a verse. I want to read a verse to you that's, um, that's incredibly encouraging as we talk about sin. Because I mean, I've even felt it as I've preached tonight. Um, you talk about sin and the weight of sin and the destruction of sin and the result of sin. And I mean, the crowd does not go wild. There's certain messages that'll pack churches and then there's certain messages that'll pack heaven. This is the latter. But here's such an encouraging verse that I love so much. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. It says, the temptation in your life are no different from what others experience, AKA we're all in this together. We've all sinned, we've all messed up, and we're all facing something. Everybody struggles. That's why there's no stones being cast here. And God is faithful. Somebody say amen. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, here's some great news. He will show you a way out so you can endure. There's the spiritual proverbial metaphoric emergency exit. And a lot of times in the middle of our, our life of sin that's sort of set everything ablaze and on fire, along with fire comes smoke and then we're in this smoky building and we're trying to find the emergency exit and we can't seem to find it. And what I love is that what God's saying here through his word is, you can't find, no problem. I'll come into that crazy, smoky building that you lit on fire. You silly, silly, I told you not to, and you did anyways, but hey, I'm gonna grab you by the hand. I'm gonna show you the way out. I'm gonna show you where that emergency exit is. I'm gonna show you how you can endure that sin, how you can conquer that sin, how you can move past that sin. You're not, you're not doing this so that I'll love you more. God's like, I are you in your sin or out of your sin I love you exactly the same in fact it was while you were still a sinner and while you were sinning that I sent my son to die for you that's how I demonstrated my love for you 
So you're not doing this to gain my approval. You're not even doing this necessarily to gain my right, you're, you're to gain righteousness because righteousness isn't based on you, it's placed on you. But you're doing this because it's, it's like what's on the inside's now coming out. That God life is becoming something you walk out and you realize how destructive sin is and you don't want it anymore. To do something drastic to your sin before your sin does something drastic to you. So you ready to do something drastic? We're gonna do three things. We're gonna confess, we're gonna pray, and we're gonna repent. We're gonna confess, we're gonna pray, we're gonna repent. Number one, we're gonna confess. On the piece of paper in front of you, I want you to write down the one thing that you've been struggling with the most. That sin that sort of, scripture says, entangles. Now I know what you're thinking. The person next to me can read. <laughs> okay, like write down a letter. Shoot, you can draw a picture if you want. Like, just keep it PG. <laughs> you can hide it, write it down, and fold it up super quick. Because we're going to fold these up anyways. You're not going to show these to anybody. Don't worry about this. This is a moment between you and God. I know we're in a public setting, but this is a private moment. So right now, what is that thing? Write it down. What's the thing that's been so hard for you to shake? What's that sin that in some ways you haven't struggled with it, but you've embraced it? What's that addiction that you've just refused? Up until tonight, you haven't even wanted to walk away from it. But now the Holy Spirit's bringing conviction and you're done with it. You want to fight or flight. You want to flee from that thing. Write that thing down. What's that thing that's gone on in your heart? No, what you think? Wait, but some, you know, something in my heart. That's not, that's not sin. Well, Jesus said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, aka don't sleep with anybody you're not married with, married to. He said, but I tell you. Don't even lust after someone. Don't even look at somebody and start thinking about sex when you're not married to them. Or it's like you've already committed adultery with them. It's the equivalent. Even, even those, is that something you've been struggling with? Write, write it down. Why? Because scripture says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that you, confession is an incredibly biblical and powerful thing. And you're not confessing anything to me. I'm not going to read these. No one's going to, in fact, in just a few moments, you're going to rip that piece of paper to shreds. So much so what's written on there will be illegible. But before you do, let's do this. Fold that piece of paper up, small enough to fit into your hand. I want you to just hold it right there. And I'm going to pray over you. And I want you in your own heart if you want to pray out loud, you can. We're going to pray that God would show you the way out. That God would stay true to his word in 1 Corinthians 10. And he would show you the way out of that thing. Because isn't it funny how the thing you wrote down on that paper, for a while you've been like, all right, I'm not going to sin. Don't sin. 
don't sin, don't sin. All right, I'm gonna sin. <laughs> it's like, like, all right, I haven't, I haven't been hungry all day, but right now in this moment, I'm gonna start that diet. Why am I so hungry? <laughs> Is it crazy when you're like, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. What are you focusing on? Right? And like, don't sin has never worked. But there's another way, and God will show you that way out. God will speak to you. So that's what I'm going to just pray that he would do right now. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Hold on to that thing in your hand right there. You know what it is. You and God, nobody else does. Nobody else needs to. God. Every young person in this room has written something down on that piece of paper. Show them the way out. Show them how to flee. Show them how to fight. Show them how to resist. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would grace them and strengthen them. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would show them that they don't have to be a slave to that sin anymore. They're forgiven. That's already done. Their righteousness has been placed on them. Now it's time to start walking that thing out. God, show them what those steps are. Lord, you're so good and you're so gracious that you're not going to tell them the next 7,000 steps that you have to take right now. God, you'll just show them the next couple of steps. God, you'll show them, you'll show them the ways that they can get out of that toxic relationship. You'll give them some steps on how to stop looking at those things on their phone or computer at night. God, maybe, maybe their way out is that they buy a $5 Amazon alarm clock and they put their cell phone downstairs in the kitchen at night. And they don't take it in their room with them anymore. God, for the person who's struggling with tearing people apart with their words or gossiping and lying, would you show them how to begin to tame their tongue and exercise self-control? For those who are, are struggling with, God, religious thoughts, and judgmental thoughts, and they're always looking down on others, maybe even... They've developed some hate in their heart. Show them the way out of that, God. Show them how to run from that, how to flee from that. Shift their hearts. God, we just pray that you'd be true to your word. That right now, in this moment, as we repent, as we turn around, we admit that we've sinned. I pray in Jesus' name. Strengthen us to endure and show us how to resist. Jesus' name. Amen. Right there at your seat. I've done this at one or two camps, and it's always been one of the most powerful moments. I want you right there at your seats to begin to just tear that piece of paper, rip it once, and now stack them on top of each other and rip those ones. And I'll stack those on top of each other and rip those. And like, keep ripping. You know how like you, you rip something until the point it's like it's so... It's so smelly, like you can't rip it anymore. Get it to that point.
and now hold it in your hand and look at how unlegible it is. Like you probably couldn't put that thing back together if you tried. And now let this bake your theological noodle. <laughs> Our God is, um, he's omniscient. Any Bible geeks know what that means? It means he's all knowing. He knows everything. Like what you're about to think about in three seconds, God already knows what you're about to think about. Think about something right now. I thought about an elephant. I don't know why, but God knew I was gonna think about an elephant. God knew that. God knows what you're thinking right now. God knew what shoes you would wear tonight. That's crazy, right? You know, I searched the scriptures and there's only one thing. There's only one thing that God does not know. What's written on that piece of paper? Corey, that's silly. Of course God knows. God can read every language. He knows every language. Just because you rip up a little piece of paper doesn't mean that God doesn't know what I wrote on it three minutes ago. The Bible says that God chooses to forget our sins when we receive Jesus. Like, how does that work for God? Like, how is God like up in heaven and he goes to his MacBook Pro because he definitely uses Apple and he goes to like Corey, the file named Corey Sins. And it's like 17,000 gigaterabytes. <laughs> and then he like grabs it and he holds it and then he takes it all the way down to the right corner that says trash and then he drops it and then he right clicks and then he puts empty trash and then it says are you sure you want the empty trash because then these files will never again be accessible and he goes yep when he died on the cross and then scripture says he chooses to forget to know them no more that's why i feel like sometimes we just keep going to god like god i'm so sorry that four years 12 days ago i did this and god's like what are you talking about because that's the god that we serve. see we preach a whole message about sin and you're thinking judgmental message casting stone casting stones message no our god is the one that goes you're the one who keeps bringing this up i chose to forget it so you know the last step that we're gonna do? Um, people call this a stage, people call it a platform. In the olden days in church, we called it the altar. You know what an altar is? An altar is a place where things go to die. So if you're ready to do something drastic to your sin, and instead of letting it kill you, you put it to death. I think it would be a beautiful sight to see every single one of those pieces of paper ripped up laying on this altar. So if you're ready, would you stand to your feet? Would you come to this altar and lay those things down? God, I pray for every single young person in this room right now as they bring these things. God, often, Jesus, when you were on earth, you challenged people to do stuff that is physical and it held such spiritual significance. If in a moment you guys wanna worship at the front, you can stay at the front. If you want to have a moment of worshiping God in a solitary place or at your seat, you're more than welcome to. But God, I pray that this would be one of those moments. It's a physical action that has spiritual significance. And that as these things are done, God, we couldn't. If we went to these and started trying to put them back together, we couldn't do it. God, I pray that this is the moment.
where the sin holds us no more. This last thing I'll say, and then we're going to worship. My favorite verses in all the scriptures says, there is now, somebody say now, now that these things are on the altar and dead, there is therefore now no, somebody say no, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, in whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. Amen. Anybody else thankful for that freedom? Would you close your eyes? Would you lift your hands? And now in freedom, we can worship. So that's what we do. So we come to your altar. We lay our sins down. We say, Jesus, we need you. We need your sacrifice. We need your forgiveness. We need your strength. We need your sanctification. We need your righteousness. My righteousness is as filthy rags. It's worthless. I need your righteousness right now. So we worship you, Jesus' name.